Hello, everyone. This is the D-Rays Bay Playoff Podcast Series ALCS Game 6 Instant Reaction. The Astros take this one. Final score, 7-4. to four. And, well, we're going to get a Game 7. Didn't really want one, but that's what we're going to get. I'm Brett Rutherford, joined by Danny Russell, as always. And joining the Instant Reaction Podcast tonight is Ian Malinowski. Ian, what's up, man? And uh, how are you feeling after that game? Uh, I am I am excited for a Game 7. I love Game 7s. I would like this to be no other way than it is the best of all possible worlds. <laughs> I, I love that answer. I mean, we, we, you could talk about it. Like, if, if the Rays win tomorrow night, and we're going to talk about tonight's game, but the the emotional payoff in that w- would be incredible. Now, we, we hoped that we could get a similar payoff emotionally earlier on in this series. But for whatever reason, it, it wasn't to be. We're going to go through some of those reasons tonight. But, Danny, 7-4. to uh, Rays made a battle, or Manuel Margot kind of rallied for the Rays, two home runs in the late innings. But ultimately, it was a game that, from the fifth inning on, um, the Astros had a very, very strong grip on. So... What what are you feeling after tonight's loss? I mean, I agree with Ian that there is nothing more Tampa Bay Rays than a game seven of the ALCS. Why not? Mm. We only know one way forward, and that is in the game seven. Um, in terms of this game, some you you have to use your best, and sometimes your best doesn't have it. And last night, that meant Nick Anderson threw a competitive pitch, and it got hit out. And today that means you call in Castillo, which is the right move at the right time, in my opinion. And he didn't have it. And the game gets away from you a little bit. And then you manage your bullpen as if there is going to be a game seven. And then you call in a couple guys and maybe stretch them out a little more than you expect to. And you're using Castillo even more than you planned. You're using Shane McClanahan when you planned not to. He gets called out for another inning and it goes weird. Uh, At the end of the day, the Rays were competitive in this game. But all game, it was also one of those where the Astros got their hits and they're hitting it between the infielders and the Rays were not. There were multiple outs fielded by the first baseman that somehow either the first baseman covered or the pitcher covered just in time. It was a weird game for the Rays hitting into the defensive place. Jose Altuve suddenly lost the yips uh, to uh, the joy of the TBS broadcast. And uh, we go again. Danny, I'm going to reinstate your moratorium on TBS broadcast talk on tonight's episode. Um, but, but Ian, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts of, of Blake Snell's start. So his final line, four innings pitched, three hits, two earned runs, four walks, four strikeouts, um, gets pulled after 82 pitches in the fifth inning, um, makes way for Diego Castillo. But what were your thoughts on Snell's outing and the decision to, to pull him in the fifth? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting because I spent, I spent the first four innings thinking – this is great. Snell is doing great. This is the game plan that, that they needed. Their genius says Snell is, is executing it because, because like coming in here um, all series long, we've seen Ray's pitchers throw, throw good high fastballs and Astros hitters hit it, hit it out of there. We, we've seen, we've seen Altuve, Altuve do it three times. We've seen Springer do it. We've seen um, Correa do it. Um, Springer, Altuve is, Altuve is good at it. Springer isn't, Correa isn't, so so they're all sitting on that. Um, so like it was, it was very and 
and Blake, Blake Snell is is one of the pitchers in the major leagues who throws the most high fastballs. It was very clear he needed to do something different um, because the Astros showed they could hit his thing, and and he came in and and he did something different. He he was he was throwing low back foot sliders. He was he was throwing change ups down. He was working everything off of those pitches. He threw some fastballs down. He threw like my my like anecdotal count. I'm not looking at the past now. He threw like four high fastballs all night long. He was making it work in the in, in this other way. And then you walk the seventh hitter in the fifth inning in a one run game and he got he got what he needed um out of um out of out of out of Aledmis Diaz. Uh it was a weak grounder, just barely, barely found the hole. Could have been a du- double play. Mm-hmm. Wasn't and and like that's that's the night he if the race had scored more runs sure he could have gotten a couple more more outs but but it was a one run game and um you can't walk the leadoff man in that in that situation yeah and i completely agree with you uh snell looked comfortable and he looked competent on the mound and it was very clear that he was not following a normal blake snell game plan tonight i mean this is the second time in the series that the astros are seeing him and he's nibbling outside the zone and he's not really playing high in the zone now part of that was the umpire if we're being honest early in the game the upper part of the zone just wasn't available for for real estate um so you kind of had to work low which definitely played into uh, framber valdez's uh, wheelhouse with his curveball but it was not a standard Blake Snell moment both in the matchups and how he decided to attack hitters which was outside the zone and trying to get them to swing they didn't mm-hmm. they were very patient tonight but if you were to draw it up again I don't expect Blake Snell to be different uh, you know he didn't get a called strike at the top of the zone until his 40th pitch I think if I remember correctly um, and then in terms of being competitive in the zone, he really wasn't trying to be. It, it took until 50, I think it was the 51st pitch. There was a slow motion replay of Blake Snell's curveball. You might remember that if you, if you mm-hmm. watch closely, there was a beautiful curve that he dropped in. And it was a, it was a Cy Young curveball from Blake Snell. That was the 51st pitch of the game. Blake Snell was waiting on attacking hitters really in the zone. And then also... Uh, uh, I mean, maybe by choice, maybe by not, if we were being honest. And then his slider really started coming into play. I think it was his 63rd pitch is when he struck out Correa, um, if I have that right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then after about 75 pitches, that's when he just lost the zone. It was the fifth inning, and it really got away from him. But I completely agree with you, Ian. Through four innings, great version of Blake Snell to to adjust to a bad matchup for him. Yeah, and you you look back at that fifth inning where you bring in Diego Castillo, and the outlook on 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 Snell's outing, and then and ultimately would have been the rest of the game, is if Castillo comes in there and, and shuts the door, which I think you fully expect him to do. He struggled a bit tonight, let the Astros get back into the game, take the lead, and ultimately never look back. Um, but it's just something that happens. Diego Castillo has been great all season. He's been great all postseason wasn't his night tonight so i mean he's the pitcher i want against the top right. of the astros as a lineup there like that was, that's that's the pitcher i want we want people who can work down Diego castillo can work can work down 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 in the zone yeah just didn't have it yeah all well right. so he wasn't all that down in the zone so well well thinking back through castillo's appearance 
He has a competitive fastball that he throws that's tapped up the middle-ish towards second base, but the shift is on. So that's up to Yandy Diaz to go and get, and he doesn't. And that's extremely unfortunate, um, but that's just the, the shift kind of kind of worked him over on that. Uh, and then Altuve gets a slider, and it should have been a slider down, and it ends up being a slider into the middle of the zone. And that's it, it, the, it was, it was a second the slider. It was a second slider that that didn't didn't break. Um, okay. Yeah, the, the, the the first one I think the first one it, did. I, I I'll check again in a second, but I, I think instant reaction. Folks. Instant reaction. <laughs> um, there was uh, a bad yeah. slider before the bad slider that 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 got hit. Yeah. Well, also joining the podcast tonight is Jared Ward. Just hopped on the Zoom. Jared, tough loss tonight. We've talked about Blake Snell a little bit about Diego Castillo, but what what are you feeling after that game tonight? I mean, it's it's it's. I'm sure it's hard to hard to be positive and find positives about the game. Um, you know, I, I, Willie Adams looked pretty good. He he worked a uh, a walk, had an RBI. Um, you know, besides that last at bat, um, I, I think he I think he was he was solid. Um, just some unfortunate. Hitting and uh, like you guys said, you want Diego Castillo in uh, for Blake Snell. Um, I thought John Curtis looked great. Um, Shane uh, Sugar Shane, he he looked great, even though he gave up some some hits. He gave up, I think, the solo home run to Kyle Tucker. Um, but I think he, I think he his fastball was high. Um, but you know, it's it's tough. It's a tough loss for sure. <laughs> Yeah, and also Manuel I mean, Margot, well, two home well, runs. Let's, let's talk about Willie Adamas real quick because, okay. Jared, you went there, and I think it deserves talking about. Willie, I, th- I think if we think about his last at-bat, I don't think he expected that to be a ball put in play when he yeah. when he swung at that 2-0 pitch. I'm guessing he was trying to foul it off, and it went in play. If I'm just thinking through, if I'm Willie Adamas and I'm in that moment and you get a pitch outside of the zone like that. But Adamas, despite some, some balls... You don't have got, to fall off 2-0 pitches. Like, you don't have to try and foul, foul off off two pitches um, no you don't that's a very fair point as well um i'm i when i think of adamas from this game what i remember and david adler of Statcast shared that uh he made an 86.8 mile per hour 137 mm-hmm. foot throw in 0.87 seconds from the grass behind where a shortstop fields to get uh diaz Aledmus diaz uh, who has a great sprint speed, near, nearly 30 foot per spe- uh, second sprint speed. And that throw, I was just like, yeah, that's our shortstop. Um, I, I, I hate to lose like such a wonderful, great defensive moment in the grand scheme of this game. Mm-hmm. But man, what a nuts throw that was. I love that from Willie. Um, generally, I felt like he had a good game until the final at bat. Yeah. Yeah, and even and even um, I mean, just looking at looking at the stat lines, even Brandon Lau, you know, he was out in left field, which I thought was kind of a odd choice on Cash's part to put him out in left field instead of Randy. I know Randy needed probably needed a day off um, to get off his feet, but um, he, he kind of he, he did. And Brandon Brandon Lau did okay. He got on base. He went uh, one for one for three, two runs with a walk. Um, so he's definitely looks like he's starting to come around. Um, but I just I wasn't sure if I really liked the move to put him in the left field. Yeah, you could go back and forth on that. Rosarena has played almost every game this postseason mm-hmm. in left. 
stays in the lineup as a designated hitter. And he's not an amazing defensive left fielder, but he's probably better than Brandon Lau. Um, so, yeah, it's a decision that's definitely a, a bit shocking, but ultimately I don't know if it made a huge difference. Manuel Margot, two home runs. Now, they were laid on in this game. Didn't make a whole lot of a difference, um, but a really great night at, uh, for him at the plate. Three runs batted in, two run, uh, two hits, two home runs. I mean, just really hit the ball well tonight, and uh, he's hit the, belt, the ball well all postseason. And, uh, that was his why... first two home run game since 2017. He was feeling wow. it. Um, he had a great night as well. Neither of his home runs were as strong as Willie Adonis. Uh, just to cap Willie Adamas's night, 108 mile an hour double earlier in the game off of Valdez. Beautiful One of the hit. only things the Rays did against Valdez. Um, but yeah, great home runs, particularly the second one that Margo hit that was bounced off the second deck. Um, just super impressive night uh, for him at the plate. When I don't think you count on Margo for impressive nights at the plate. That's not what he's in for. So I'll certainly take it. Um, so good for him. I don't know. It's a loss. And, I mean, and, and, the, and the other part of the tough loss is that Zunino has an unlikely defense, like not a great defense tonight behind mm. the plate, uh, with some pat with some wild pitches, and he can't corral it. And uh, so those those pitches that Zunino does smother and does keep in front of him, he he didn't. And I, you know, I don't know um, if that plays into what the pitchers are feeling. Can are they confident? throwing those things in the dirt now. Um, I don't know what kind of snowball effect that has, um, but it definitely was noticeable. Zenino was obviously very frustrated, uh, broke a bat in half. Yeah, I mean, that's the highlight of Mike Zunino's night was breaking yeah. a bat like he's Bo Jackson over his knee. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, you're the catcher. You can't be messing with your legs. <laughs> no! Uh, I mean, one of the coolest things I've seen from a race player in a long time, though, for being honest, that was a strong man's break of the bat. And Ginger's just like pitching the pieces into the dugout as he's walking down the steps. I love that passion. Uh, and the only person who showed more passion tonight was Yandy Diaz. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about that next. Yeah, I'm, sure. I'm interested in your guys' take. I'll give my take. I mean, I thought it was an intense game. and Like, there's intense moments like that. And even though it might have been unexpected, but he obviously draws the walk off of – Framber Valdez, it was a good at-bat. Yandy's worked great at-bats all season. It seems like really more than anything, that's what he's been focused on doing. Um, and he's the, the walks have been drawn at a high rate by Yandy. Draws one tonight in a key situation. And, uh, yeah, things got a little heated. Um, he says something to Framber. I don't know if anything had been said before between them or between him and Maldonado or if there was any precursor to this. Um, but it was definitely like an interesting moment in the game. I'm fine with it, but I, I'm interested to see what your guys' takes are. I mean, it definitely might have been a conversation happening between Diaz and Maldonado as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but in general, uh, we had the Slack chat open during the game, and our Latin writers were completely unsurprised by this moment. They almost said like, yeah, that's Cuban baseball right there. <laughs> uh, Yandi probably wanted a pitch to hit if we're being honest. And he yeah. got into a little uh, back and forth with Maldonado as he's going to the plate. They're gesturing their hands back and forth. It was a pitch inside. Um, I think, you know, as, as someone who's used to baseball in the United States and uh, we are four white men on the podcast right now, maybe our perspective on that moment and that conversation happening between those players is a little different. Um, perception is everything though. And it, and it was weird. Um, I think the broadcast was like, oh, he's pumping his team up. Mm, maybe not. <laughs> but uh, 
it was yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I'll say I, I think, I think, I think on the one hand, it was, it was like maybe that's that's what 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 Cuban baseball is like. I've never never watched Cuban baseball. Um, um, and I thought I thought Yandy knew exactly what he was doing. He has he has a young pitcher out there who, who who's who's dealing. Um, he he um, um, and he, I think he just wanted to change the energy around that. Like like we talk about managers going out there, and like the manager um, kicks some dirt on on home plate, yell, yells a bit, gets 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 thrown out, and then the team's all rah rah beating their chests, um, pumped up. Like, like I think Yandi, many, many things can be true, but I think Yandi knew he was like potentially doing that too. Like that, that was him. He obviously didn't get himself thrown out and we obviously don't want him to because he's, he's one of our best hitters, but that was, that was him, him going out there, firing up his team, just trying to like throw this, this young pitcher off, off, off of, off of, off of his game. And, 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 and it's like, Maldonado and and Correa, um, like they were trying to take over that situation because what they want is, is they don't want Framber Valdez being thrown off his game because Framber Valdez is great. They want him dealing. They want him doing exactly what he's doing. They want him in his in his comfort zone. So like Maldonado and Correa are over there making sure Framber Valdez is comfortable and he's able to keep keep doing do, doing his thing. And like it was a. I, I'll just say I, th- I think Yanni knew it, knew exactly what he was doing. He was he was in control the whole time. Yeah, and you go back to uh, game five. It was game four, game five. Yanni drew a walk, and like almost gave like a little bat flip. And I do think like there is that has been part of Yanni's game and a number of hitters on the Rays this season. Um, Yandi has increased his walk rate every single year from his uh, first couple years with the Indians, then with the Rays in 2019, then with the Rays in 2020. And currently, I don't know if that's including tonight's game. I don't think it is. But he had 30 plate appearances in this year's postseason, drew eight walks. And I, I don't think, and I know that's a small sample size, but you look at the numbers from the regular season and they're pretty similar. Like That's something that he's working on doing. And in a close game like that, uh, yeah, it might have just been something that it, there was a lot of emotion and a mixture of him trying to play the mental game that you might see in a lot of other sports, uh, in soccer and in well, football, well, tennis. Also, maybe Yandy just felt like that pitch was going to hit him. Because <laughs> <laughs> that walk was on 95 pitches and it was getting wild. So uh, uh, to button up Yandy's night, credit to him in the fourth inning when he had to make a lot of defensive plays because Blake yeah. Snell just kept on throwing to first base all night. And uh, the shadows in Petco Park. Uh, I'm tired of them calling Petco Park a gem of a of a field. Moratorium still in place. The sun is uh, is an issue. Oh, fair point. Fair point. Fair point. But shadow, shadow, shadow. Drink every time you hear the word shadows during a TBS broadcast. Um, lots of defensive plays in the fourth. Uh, not only receiving the ball from Blake Snell, but then also receiving plays with the ball in play uh, and the sh- and the sun bearing down on him. So credit to Yandy Diaz there. Uh, I think it's time we talk about Framber, though. Uh, so good. <laughs> it took him only 78 pitches to get through five innings, and the sixth inning was the only inning that was really difficult for him. And the game plan, we wrote it on the site, and if we're writing it at D-Rays Bay, uh, the Rays are very well aware of the situation. He's got two pitches. The curveball is going to eat you alive, and a lot of the times it's not going to be for strikes. So try to foul it off as if it's for a strike, but otherwise sit on a fastball. 
And good Lord, the Tampa Bay Rays could not help themselves. Mm -mm. Every single curveball they felt a need to swing at. I wish I had pulled up the stats, how many curveballs were thrown that were not offered. It was astounding. I cannot believe that this dude ate the Rays lunch. Danny, do you think this was a situation where the pressure maybe started to shift towards the Rays? They had a 3-0 lead. It was 3-2 going into this game. They That offense, who hasn't performed great throughout this series, might have felt the need to, to jump out and try to do something against, against Framber tonight. That's got to be a percentage. Like, you can't say no to that question. Yeah. Uh, I would bet every person who walks to the plate is thinking, yeah, I'm going to do something here. It's, but it might, it might be just a, that it's a really good curveball and it breaks late. <laughs> yeah. It might be that every single one of those curveballs looked like a strike. And so the Rays offered, um, at the end of the day, it was just a tall order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, go ahead, Jared. I, I'm looking at, uh, Framber Valdez's curve spin rate on Statcast for 2020. 96th percentile for curve yeah. spin rate, just to give you an idea of. Uh, I'm sure it just looks enticing, looks enticing, and then just drop drops off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is this is arguably the best curveball in all of baseball. Um, um, it's 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 not the 12-6 curve. Maybe maybe you separate those differently, but like of those sweeping curves, I might call this the best single best sweeping curve in all of baseball. And when he put it on that corner, and he put it on that corner a lot too, the Rays couldn't couldn't hit it. Uh, um, um, so I, I mean, yeah, I, I'd like them to take some of those, those low curves cause you, you definitely can't hit those, but you can't hit this curve in the zone either. Um, um, it is just that good. I'm, I'm happy to, uh, move on from, from Valdez and not see him tomorrow. And just to give everybody an idea, Tyler Glasnow's curve, 92nd percentile. And then so. Charlie Morton's curve, 89th percentile. So uh, better, according to Statcast, better than Tyler Glass now and Charlie Morton's curve. In terms of, in terms of spin rate, yeah. And it, yeah. it was on tonight. Um, yeah, Framber's gone for this series. We'll have to see him again. But tomorrow night, the Rays are going to see Lance McCullers, who was also um, very, very effective against the Rays earlier on in this series. What, the Rays are going to have Morton on the mound, but what do you guys think about McCullers back on the mound? And, you know, it's a do-or-die game for both teams, so in terms of managing the bullpen, anything goes, really. I like McCullers. <laughs> you like facing McCullers, or you, do you like, or do you just so like McCullers? I, I think of McCullers, I think of a pitcher I like watching pitch. Okay. <laughs> uh, so this, it's... it's um, I don't feel good about having to face McCullers. I do feel good about the Rays getting a second look at him because I don't feel like he destroyed the Rays in the same way that uh, Framber did in games one and five. Uh, it was still a strong start from him in game two, uh, but the Rays also still won. And uh, a competitive baseball game is really all we need. Uh, Ian, Jared, do you have thoughts on Lance? That Yeah, I mean, he. Uh, I would say that he... he, he... He didn't beat the Rays, but he pitched well enough to beat the Rays last time. By yeah, that was my feeling as well. Yeah. Like, he pitched well. Yeah, and 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 it's interesting because like he did it by, 
um, really emphasizing getting good work out of his his third pitch. And his 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 third pitch is a changeup, and it's a totally excellent changeup. It's like it it's it, it's weird to talk about a person where I think of his third pitch as 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 one of the better pitches of its type in baseball. It's not the best the way that 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 Fromber's um, curveball is, but but it's a really good 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 right-handed sinking diving changeup. So like from the ridge point of view, I don't know how you adjust to that. Like do you do you do you do you sit changeup? Do you look for that? Um, because at, it's his third pitch. If you're if you're sitting changeup, are you are you not sitting curve? Um, not sitting sinker? Um, I, I don't know how the Rays approach that. He's 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 a tough pitcher, but also he's he's a he's gettable. And from the Rays bullpen perspective, they have Charlie Morton going. Um, they have Charlie frickin' Morton going. <laughs> they 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 should have Nick Anderson and Pete Fairbanks totally available. Um, Castillo available again. Aaron Loop available again, and probably probably Glassnow's available too. For sure. Um, so like. There's, there's enough innings available out, out of out of the pen to to put the best best foot forward and and win a one nothing two one game. Um, all of all of all of the work that Kevin Cash does to to throw the back of the bullpen in these times that it frustrates us. It it, it sets up this game seven when, when mm-hmm. every everybody's ready mm-hmm. ready for this game seven. I, I'm curious because game five, and obviously a lot of this depends on, on game flow. Um, game five last week against the Yankees, Glass now got, gets the start on very short rest. So you knew he wasn't going to go deep in the game. But Kevin Cash managed it in a way, and the game allowed for this, to where not and none of the pitchers faced a Yankee hitter more than one time. Ian, do you think that's something uh, we could see something similar with the way this game is managed uh, tomorrow night? Um, it's possible. I think that if, um, if it's so like part of, part of what was going into that was that, was that glass now was on short rest. If glass now mm-hmm. was on a normal rest, I'm not sure that that one time through the order is the optimal use of him. Um, I think, I think that if, if it looks at all like, like, uh, like Morton's, struggling tomorrow then we get into this only one time situation if morton comes out and and is cruising this becomes a legitimately tough decision i don't know what the right answer is between morton second time class now on short rest for a little bit coming in not at the start start of a game um I, this is one of the more interesting decisions it, it was it was clear it was clear what kevin cash should do in game five of the Yankees series, it's not clear to me what he should be doing here. And at the same time, the Astros are, are dealing with the, the same thing. Um, their, their bullpen's taxed. We don't know the, the status of Josh James. They had to use Presley tonight out of the bullpen. So credit to, to the Rays and to Manuel Margot, really, single-handedly for, for getting Presley warmed up and, and into the game for the ninth inning. Because um, they're going to be dealing with the same thing. And I, I don't know if, the, if, if you can really think ahead for what Dusty Baker is going to do. It could be um, something really dumb. It could be something he lucks into, or it could be something really smart. Um, and, and we're just going to have to find out. Um, but I, I just want to say, like, yeah, the Rays had a 3 nothing lead. 
It's gone. This will only be the second time ever that a seven-game series in which a team takes a 3-0 lead has gone to a Game 7. Um, the, the last time was 2004. Uh, you probably have heard of it. If you haven't, uh, look it up. We're not going to talk about it on the podcast. But um, it, it doesn't happen a lot. With that being said, the series is 3-3 now. It's not 3-0 anymore. It's 3-3. And it goes to Game 7. And you could tell a lot of people, like if, if you told a bunch of people going into this ALCS that Rays and Astros was going to Game 7, it was a likely outcome. Uh, maybe not the most likely outcome, but it was something that could have happened. And the fact that we're there now, I don't know, nine innings. It could go either way. And uh, <laughs> that's, all, that's all I'm thinking, or at least that's what I'm telling myself now. Yeah, and, and I think I, th- I think if you told any, I think I agree with you 100%. If you told anybody without how the games flipped, hey, it's going to Game 7 against the Astros, I take that I take that every day of the week, and I'm glad that we won enough games in the regular season to earn home field advantage through the uh, through the championship league series. Um, so, um, yeah, I didn't want it to go to Game Seven, but I'm also <laughs> um, ex- excited for Game Seven. Well, also, like if you're if thinking about the Astros and how much quote unquote momentum, if you believe in that, um, they have right now. The Rays had a ton of momentum after Game 3, and look where that got them. So it could flip on a dime again tomorrow. The Rays could cruise to a, to a victory, and we'll be preparing for the World Series on Tuesday. Don't know what's going to happen, and we're all going to get to find out together. So, Any final thoughts on, on Game 6 and or Game 7, Ian? It's, a, it's, it's hard to beat a good team four times in a row. Sure is. <laughs> that I, goes I think, either way. I, I think we're probably queued up to beat the Astros three times in a row right now, and I, I'm ready for all three of those. Love it. Danny, anything? Um, I'm excited to see Brandon Lau play second base again. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of a position where he doesn't know where the cutoff man is. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, a good throw for Brandon Lau. Brandon Lau not grounded to a double play. That would be great. Uh, as he continues to warm up back into his normal self. I'm excited to... Uh, you know, see Brandon Lau maybe take a couple more walks like he did in the eighth. If we're talking about Brandon Lau and doing things well, or how he got the bat to the ball swinging in front of a curveball in the second inning when no one else could hit a curve and it was a lefty on lefty matchup. Um, Brandon Lau, we keep on predicting him warming up and maybe doing something really exciting uh, that we're used to him doing. And in this game, I I felt good about him on offense other than that grounded to the double play in the sixth inning. Uh, I felt bad about him playing left field. And uh, maybe we see KK tomorrow. Maybe we don't. Uh, I'm guessing that tomorrow Hunter Renfro is not hitting third in the lineup. Definitely not against the righty, but maybe not against uh, so the lefty either. Maybe that will help things along. Uh, it was It was a weird night. Um, Kevin it, Cash did the uh, stack the righties thing against a left-handed pitcher, and it and it didn't work. And uh, I don't think it's him being cute. I think it's him being normal. Uh, but it it just wasn't the Rays' night. So, uh, Brandon Lau, I expect you to still be hitting near the top of the order, and I expect good things for you. If if you showed me if you showed me that Brandon Lau throw two years ago at Durham, um, I would have said. This is great because that's showing more arm strength than what I've been hearing. And this oh, is a sure. man who can stick at second. Um, um, so, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to time travel and stick with that now. 
this is a man who can stick at second base. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's. I'm expecting a very uh, not really. There's no such thing as a traditional lineup when it comes to Kevin Cash or the Tampa Bay Rays, but uh, I'm expecting um, a, a, as basic as it gets. I know there's been a little bit of trickery these last couple nights, and and I do expect Kiermaier to be back out on the field. Uh, you, you talk about guys that will do whatever it takes to to get back on the field, and, and Kevin Kiermaier I've never met the man, but um, from from what I know of him as a player and as a as a person, I'm I'm, I'm expecting him to be back in tomorrow night. Jared, um, I, before we go, before we go, I want to also talk about Aaron Loop and his great performance <laughs> in today's game. Uh, we talk, we we have had not great things to say, but he comes in uh, two thirds of an inning, zero hits, two strikeouts, like just came in and he and he he looked great. Um, so I just want to shout out to Aaron Loop. Uh, yeah, for sure. He was also the only Rays pitcher tonight to actually challenge Astros hitters yeah. and, and paint the black successfully. I mean, he was rifling it in on the corners and just getting people looking, and it it felt great. It felt like what Rays pitching is supposed to look like. Well, Ian, we talked, we said some positive things about Aaron Loop. There you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of the D-Rays Bay Playoff Podcast Series. A lot more positives out of that game. That's what happens when you talk through it. Um, there's going to be Game 7 tomorrow. Two most exciting words in all of sports. So, Thank you guys for listening. If you want each of these episodes downloaded directly to your device, make sure to subscribe to our podcast feed and make sure to head on over to DRaysBay.com to check out all of the great coverage of the 2020 postseason run. We're going to have a podcast tomorrow night. It's going to be, It's going to be a podcast. That's all I'll say. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Ground ball to second. Aki's got it. He steps on the bag. Raise win. Raise win.